Warm-ups not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can get us podcast. I'm Kami or Morabian, along with Jack Shields. Jack, man, how's your week been going? Pretty good. I feel like that intro lingered for a bit, didn't it? It lingered. It lingered a bit. I kind of dig it. Yeah lingering you know what what else lingers uh people who go to saul's apartment and uh pineapple express linger yeah linger lingering i guess farts linger too that's true very true um microwaved fish Ooh, why would you microwave fish <laughs> you know you'd be surprised one time i you gotta walked cook it on your stovetop into into my place of work Scouts. somebody decided to microwave reheat fish and i was pissed. very inconsiderate that's yeah. like opening tuna on a plane like i mean that's just objectively rude yeah and just you know people and if you are one of these people that microwave fish or reheat fish in your place of work that the same people have to use that microwave you're the worst, and quite frankly, probably a bastard. Should be, you know, tried at the Hague. It's the worst. But, you know, it's it's Monday. We're recording on, this is the first time we record on a Monday in a while. It has been a minute. I've always had stuff going on on Mondays. Now yeah. I have stuff going on on Tuesdays, so it just kind of flips. Earlier, earlier in the week, you have this podcast. Yeah. That's good news for everybody else. It's good for uh, clicks and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Shameless. tomorrow, or I guess by the time you're listening to this, depending upon how late you're staying up, because I know some of you guys, as soon as podcast comes out, I know a lot of you guys actually just start listening to it because we have a lot of uh, night owls. I usually wake up to a yeah. lot of views on the podcast. Uh-huh. Kind of nice. And tomorrow, or I guess today, whatever, Tuesday, the Sooners basketball team will take on, I think, Southeastern Oklahoma State. It's kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the Exhibition, graphic. Yeah, I saw the graphic today by Oklahoma basketball. I think it's I like said, five wow. bucks to get in yeah, if you're not a student. It's cheap, man. Yeah. Dirt cheap, and to watch a team that's going to be probably pretty decent this year. They're picked to finish eighth in the Big Twelve, but I would not be surprised if they finish top five. And they're going to make the tournament. I feel. Oh like. yeah, I think so. Uh, Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy, Pomeroy, twenty fifth in Ken Palm preseason yeah. rankings. Yeah, and you know they have plenty of experience returning along with Austin Reeves who is underrated and um, got a whole bunch of Harmon, highly... I mean, the Jalen Hill yes, kid. whole bunch of highly touted freshmen. A lot of really athletic big men who are a little raw at this point, but will probably so, be good eventually. Kadeem Latin then. <laughs> Except Kadeem Latin. Hopefully make better decisions on yeah, the court God. than Kadeem Latin. Kadeem, God bless his heart. I liked Kadeem. I liked... His mom sat next to my parents at OU basketball games. So oh. She was the biggest cheerleader in the house. You know, Kadeem, yeah, he, uh, he never developed much of anything other than shooting free throws at his time at OU, but he was wildly athletic and was able to make the weak side blocks. I was disappointed that he didn't really step up as a leader quite as much during his junior or senior year. I agree. That's something that was really a, mm-hmm. a void for OU at that point. They really needed that after Buddy and those guys were gone. Yes, but, it happens. Oh, well, the past is the past. But, hey, we're not going to talk about... OU basketball just yet. We won't mix that into the pod until we get into the thick of the season. But we're here to talk to you guys about, of course, what nobody wants to talk about. The Kansas State-Oklahoma game in Manhattan where the Sooners lost to the Wildcats. We'll be talking about Oklahoma and how they match up this week against the bye week. Taking on your Twitter questions and then a couple of things going on right now. So let's get into it. Kansas State beats the Sooners. 48 to 41 at the time during the game i was thinking you know you're playing this mental chess match game of what could happen and what's going to happen or what needs to happen for the seniors to be successful and take away a victory on saturday and as the third quarter just drug on it's kind of like the baylor game in 2014 you kind of go through the stages of denial and grief and it just to me became almost comical i was like you that was like it just it, it heaps on getting worse. To me, at no point in the game did I go through my phase of "Wow, this is dangerous. We're in trouble." It was it went from one point, you know, being down a little bit and going, 
okay, we've got this, to mm-hmm. just being like, well, we're going to lose. There yeah. was never an in-between stage for me, except for maybe a little bit down the stretch, like around the time of the onside kick. Yeah, yeah. That was about it. Yeah. like, And I just, I just found myself thinking, because on, you know, oh, Kansas State, they run the ball a lot, and that's great. I love it when teams run the ball, and all of a sudden it's, oh, they're running the ball down Oklahoma's throats. And Skylar Thompson, for some reason, is now a very good quarterback today, just needling or threading the needle, per se. Converting third and longs. Third and longs. Which, I mean, which is like we were already traumatized flashbacks. by those plays from yeah. the Mike Stoops era. but And then, so Oklahoma couldn't stop them on defense, which you thought you would have a good shot at doing because Oklahoma State and Baylor held them to under 20 points. And then on offense, the trenches, they just weren't – I can't really tell if they were there or not because Oklahoma had six combined rushes between Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. What was it, like 18 or 19 for Jalen Hurts? Uh Uh-huh. I think, you know, part of that obviously is because they were playing from behind a lot late and a lot of those uh, Jalen Hurts carries were coming late in the game when he was sort of improvising a little bit and deciding to take off, and sometimes it was successful, but I think a lot of that had to do with the flow of the game. At the same time, they did need to hand it off a lot more. It sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, the early stages of Riley's tenure at Oklahoma when he was offensive coordinator. There were times when things weren't going quite that swimmingly they'd get a little behind and he would just abandon the run that's not necessarily what happened here because there were still some design things for Jalen Hurts going on Mm -hmm. but it kind of brought that back a little bit not completely but yeah I agree so I mean what in the world like what happened here in Manhattan is that a is this was it the team wasn't ready the team wasn't focused what do you think I mean if you were to guess from the outside looking in what happened for, to this game what happened to the Sooners what, what happened to the team that everybody thought they were at 7-0 people are saying this team hasn't been 7-0 since 2004 well now they're 7-1 what happened to this team through the first seven games to now the eighth game it looks like last year's defense and this offense it looks like it's from 2014 well for one thing a lot of what happened on Saturday had a lot to do with Kansas State I mean, Chris Kleiman is obviously one hell of a coach, and he had them completely prepared to play. They had the perfect offensive game plan. It was part of it. I mean, you're about to hear from Alan Kenny tomorrow. He's writing something right now about how Chris Kleiman's offense specifically is something that poses a unique challenge to Alex Grinch's defense. We'll go into that more tomorrow with the article, but... It wasn't necessarily an easy matchup for OU's defense. There were a lot of things that they were able to exploit. But also, I mean, you saw OU losing their cool in a lot of different junctures in the game, which was surprising mm-hmm. to me. It was surprising to see that from a senior like Parnell Motley. Yep. You know, kicking a guy. You know, I've, I've heard some people. I think, I think it was Sam Mays who was saying he shouldn't have been kicked out. I disagree with that. I think that's a pretty clear. I mean, that, that's like in the rules. You can't no kick kicking. someone. Yeah. I mean, he was Matt like, well, Diamond. I got kicked a bunch back in the day. Well, it was back in the day. I mean, they let a lot more slide back in the day. But Matt Diamond kicked a Baylor player back oh, in yeah. 15 and got kicked out of the game. I remember that. And the Sooners, Matt Diamond was a hard ass. I, I, yeah. It sucks that, like, Mike Stoops drove him away. I mean, he was a really good yeah. player. He was a good, solid depth player. But. Yeah, just it was so weird. I mean, from the beginning kickoff of this game, like the Sooners, it looks like they couldn't straight up go and score. They had to do a couple trick plays here and there, and like the first big play was like a short. It was it wasn't a back shoulder throw. It was just a ball that was too short from Jalen, and that was we found out wind of course was a factor, and just it was a lot of weird happening. And even when the Sooners were up. 14 to 7 and Lincoln Riley had like a fourth and three from you know K-State's 30 or 20 inside whatever Lincoln Riley electing to go for the field goal and you're like okay that's I guess that's a little odd he's being conservative because maybe they think they have faith in the defense and as well as K-State at the time I really didn't hate it for that exact reason exactly I was like I thought the defense was going to get stops I thought uh, 17 because I mean you saw them on the first drive I mean they looked perfectly fine it's 17-7 and then if they when they stop k-state the sex drive it'll be 24-7 and then we'll be off to the races and that that's it and then just a whole lot of funny happened nick basquin throwing an interception tj pledger dropping wasn't the... really basquin's fault it's yeah. something in the air where if basquin throws a pass to charleston rambo charleston rambo just doesn't catch it he has good hands otherwise yeah it hit him in the chest he didn't catch it with yeah. his hands 
And yet CeeDee Lamb, further on the left side of the field, wide open as well. Yeah. It just hit him in the chest, and instead of falling down in front of him, it bounced over the top of him. It's unfortunate. And then yeah. Pledger's yeah, turnover. Was... And then what What else happened? It was, just, it was so much. And it's just, it just, it's just the way it went. And, you know, the game happened in the third quarter. Lincoln Riley says, you know, like the last time I went to Manhattan, that was about as hot as he had run. And they said a similar thing happened in the locker room. And he said he had a really good feeling about the team coming out in the third quarter, positive energy. And he said the team like got shell shocked and that he was like, that is not the way they thought they would react. And it is like one thing after another. So after seeing that on a scale of one to 10, maybe not how shocked are you, but how concerned are you for this team that maybe they're going to, they get shell shocked in Manhattan, Kansas against the Wildcats for the future of this team in maybe December. I mean, I feel like perhaps this is the shot in the arm that the team needs because you see Oklahoma losing these October games seemingly every year, and then they go on to run the table. So based on precedent, I'm not too concerned. As far as them experiencing shock, I can't really speak to that. But, I mean, obviously it's a little concerning. I mean, I... That doesn't seem like the DNA of this team, though, at the same time. So maybe it's... uh, Maybe it's a bit of an anomaly. I mean, the, like the only side of the ball with ice in their veins, apparently, is Gabe Burkich. This man delivered man, a hell of a how game. How awesome was that? I mean, multiple field goals, like what, a career. I mean, going into the season, I mean, with he and Sutherland, not neither of them being named starter up until I guess the second week, yeah. essentially. And even I was pretty Sutherland, worried. I Sutherland mean, yeah. goes out and Burkich is in. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, he's got a great leg. And you saw him against Texas Tech. He had those sort of wobbly field goal mm-hmm. attempts that barely got within the uprights. And you uh, kind of were like, ooh, this is going to be a shaky thing yep. from this year on. I mean, then he hits a 50-yarder yep. in Manhattan. I mean, go back to last year or the year before the year before that or the year before that with Seibert. When he lined up for a 50-yarder, how confident were you that he was going to hit it? Not very. I didn't feel very good. Because I knew he was only he wasn't specializing in one area. Like exactly, now yeah. that he's in the NFL, he's specializing in one area. Of course, he's doing great. He's there. doing well, and it's like, oh, you has oh. has he even missed more than one field goal in the I, NFL? I think I mean, he's I think he's nine of nine or ten for ten. Yeah, he's doing great. And so like, that's the thing about special teams. One thing that's going well in Cleveland special teams is that um, you're seeing the kicker and the punter. Well, okay, not really the punter because he had an 18 yard punt, but also the wind again yeah. was a factor. But you're always seeing the kicking teams, the special teams progress through the year, and especially the kicking game. Haven't seen that consistently kicking it out of the end zone like we've seen in the and last that's few years. Not, so that's nice, and that's not something you were seeing in the first yeah. few games. And that's that's not that's not really a thing that was Austin Seibert's fault the no. last few years. He just it was too much, and he he admitted it afterwards. That's it's just too much. So, all right, the game comes down to Oklahoma finally gets their crap together. At the in the fourth quarter, and if they're going to need all the minutes they can use, they're going to need all the minutes possible to stage a comeback in Manhattan once again. Comes down to an onside kick with a minute and thirty something left. And how bananas were you going when you recovered that? It was Braden Willis, right? Yes, Braden Willis. I couldn't. I was like, I just my brain stopped. I when, said, Oh see, my god! In real time, when I watched it, it didn't even occur to me that it might have been touched before the ten yard marker. Yeah, I, I same. I was just thinking, oh my God, no way. Oklahoma's about to tie this up and go to overtime. And you know they would have. And they I were going to win. Yeah, I felt that and all the way. Like the tide, like as soon as Oklahoma got the onside, I was like, dude, all the energy is going to be sucked out of those K State players in that stadium. I mean, that stadium, there was it was dead. And there was about to be a Sooner Magic chant from the OU contingent. Yep. And, uh, all of a sudden they say, oh, they're going to review it. And you're like, okay, you know, OU's got this. You know, it was clearly. Maybe about 10 yards, it hit somebody, we're fine. And uh, the review shows it hit Trajan Bridges at about nine and a half yards, yeah, his knee. Much. It bounced off, it ricocheted off him, then the K-State guy. Um, and then, that, yeah, that was it. But then, now we have all these rules because he was blocked into the ball because they said, oh gosh, you talked about the, you talked, you talked about the call, the referee call before we got on the podcast. And how awkward it was. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the review situation, it doesn't really surprise me that that's not a reviewable call. Do I think it should be? Sure. 
Am I surprised that it's not? Not really. They really did not explain that. They And the worst of all, they didn't explain that to the media. They didn't convey that to them after the game, right. effectively. You know, they sent a pool reporter to ask about this, and at no point do they mention that this isn't something that can be overturned with review. That's something that you would think would be the first thing out of their mouth yeah. in a statement, and it's not. And then... They said, we considered that rule, and that was it. I mean, good grief. And then uh, Kelly Hines comes out and, you know, basically says what was uh, given to her there. And then the refs try to throw her, then the Big 12 try to throw her under the bus, saying that she didn't do her job. How fucking pathetic is that? Yeah. On the part of the Big 12. Yeah. Again, making a PR mountain out of a molehill just due to incompetence. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Because what we found out. After all this BS, is here's what's reviewable. Who touched the kick first, whether it's the kicking team or the receiving team. Also, what is reviewable is who the kicking team maybe blocks early. That's what's reviewable. Here is what is not reviewable. If a man is blocked into the kick by the receiving team, uh, which is, of course, you know, against the rules, like if the man's blocked before the 10 yards by the receiving team, he's counted just as a not blocked. Yeah. And so that's basically it. So the other, the other kind of base you could have covered here just to make it all the way around a fair game and all the way around a pretty okay understanding of how onside kicks should be officiated. You say, yeah, Let's not worry about this man being blocked in the kick stuff. Let's only worry about who the kicking team is blocking and not who the receiving team is blocking because you never know it could, if the ball might hit somebody. And they did not convey that at all, like you said, after no. the game. They didn't convey it today. And they're just like, oh, yeah, here's whatever. And, of course, people were calling out like for the rules, and I understand, yeah, it makes sense. And then there's the egregious error rule that Oklahoma fans remember very well in Bedlam. 2017, yeah. Remember in Bedlam that... Will Johnson, or was it... Yeah, it was Will Johnson who, I guess, Will committed Johnson the targeting. Will Johnson Trey Brown or Trey something Brown like that. Trey Brown picked it off. Will Johnson's the one who committed the targeting. Or something like that. The timing of it was up for debate. But. And it was pass interference. That was... And then Oklahoma, Trey Brown caught the interception, and then there was targeting on it after the interception and the referees went back and reviewed it for the targeting and they said oh hold up there's targeting but not only this player rejected it was mike defee if only in oklahoma had mike defee on this weekend mike defee Good says grief. we have a is he he's buff ref right? yeah buff ref he says we have a penalty for a we have an egregious error on our part which i remember I don't remember who's even calling that game in Stillwater that time. They're like they, Gus Johnson, Gus of Gus. Yeah, that was where the Hollywood thing got really got going. And they were like, you know, they could call an egregious error, and all of a sudden, by lo and behold, freaking Mike Defee, we are having an egregious error call for pass interference against the Sooners before the interception. So it's Cowboys ball. He's ejected. They get the ball 15 yards, and everybody's like, what the hell? Like all the Sooner fans are like, what the hell just happened? So they could have had, hey, egregious error on our part. This man was clearly blocked into the ball because they even admitted Trajan Bridges was not blocking first. He was not going to block, so he got blocked. They admitted he got blocked, and the ball hit him. One and one goes together. That's clear, yes? So, I mean, it's over. The game's over. Oklahoma lost. Lincoln Riley abandoned the run game. Uh, he mentioned putting Jalen in bad positions, and you talk about this, Lincoln Riley putting in. It reminds us of maybe him as earlier days at offensive coordinator the 2016 houston game comes definitely to mind. and i would say that that's a sign that he's still a young coach then again it, like i said a lot of it has to do with the situation of the game they were coming from 25 down for that's the majority of this i guess the whole fourth quarter essentially but six carries total yeah, for Trey still way and too Kennedy. few yeah three each i mean like like i get it i get it in the fourth quarter what happened? There were quarters, three quarters before one, that. One, two, and two and a half before things got out of hand. And that that's, and part and, of it also is they really didn't have the ball much in the second half. That's correct. I they mean, had the ball, I think, for how many minutes they have in the ball in the third quarter? Seemingly none. I mean, it, seemed, it, like one, it seemed like one or two possessions, like, and they were quick ones. Or two minutes or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't zero, but it was yeah, close it, it to was it. it was very... 
short. It was. I think they had one or two possessions. It was very close to it because they had a three and out twice, I believe. No bueno, right? And Jalen Hurts, uh, and this is this is something that I've been on ever since he took over the the reins of the offense. And uh, I, I I I talked to Keegan Renault over at Sooners Wire about this a long time ago, and I believe that Jalen Hurts, he's not an elite quarterback. He's a pretty good From quarterback. From an arm talent standpoint, yes. he's not, yeah. He's he's not an elite quarterback as far as, you know, the spoils of Baker Mayfield and Kyla Murray. Um leadership levels are off the chart though. And but here's the deal. He's not a superstar quarterback. And I said it several times during the game, um, on the account and just by myself, this is where Baker or Kyler would answer the bell. Um and Let's say let's see what Jalen Hurts has, and it just didn't work. And you know, Lincoln says, "Oh, I put him in bad positions." Well, you know what? Baker and Kyler thrived in those awkward and bad positions, and we saw what Jalen did. And I'm not saying what that Jalen's bad, but no. I'm granted, s- Jalen nearly let a comeback as he well. He did. He did. And but I've always feared because of, of Jalen's lack of arm talent that this year that. If they got down earlier, by maybe by two and a half scores, two three scores, just by turnovers, which did happen, into maybe a defense that was pretty stout, or maybe a team that was scoring that kept on scoring because the defense wasn't holding up for OU, that Jalen wouldn't be able to compete in a shootout as much as, or Jalen wouldn't be able to lead Oklahoma two three scores back, that than Baker Mayfield and Kyler did, and I'm not saying this game proves my point, but I'm saying. This game is just an example of what I'm trying to say is that if Oklahoma gets down by three scores, two, three scores, and they're turning the ball over, they're in trouble. As whereas Baker Mayfield, I always felt like in that K-State game in Manhattan and Baker Mayfield's QB, I was pretty confident until the very end. I was like, Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield's going to score every time. Kyler Murray? You know, we wondered going into Kyler Murray's season if he quite, you know, obviously he was a huge playmaker in high school and stuff like that, but... You wondered if he was going to be the guy who stepped up in those moments, and he absolutely did. You knew he had the talent to do mm-hmm. it, but whether he had the metal to do it, he turned out to have everything that Mayfield had and more. Yeah, and it was just like, it's a, that thing that... And I'm not saying Hertz doesn't have that right. between the ears, he just doesn't have the arm talent to pull off the same things. So, because And he's not the scrambler that the other two are either. Yeah. And he's a great runner, just not as good of a scrambler. He tucks it and runs and gets the four or five yard gain, whereas Mayfield and Kyler, they would just sling it over the middle. And that's something Jalen still doesn't feel comfortable with. He doesn't feel comfortable with testing the middle. Lots of mesh routes where they gets wide open over the middle or on the left and the right, but not a lot of balls going intermediate over the middle over some linebackers to, to some tight ends. That's why you're seeing Grant Calcaterra not really catch that many balls. Liam Morris's balls are coming outside of the of the of the five of the of the tackles, you know, uh, not a lot. Going this is over the, the kind of thing you saw from Trevor Knight as well. Yeah, you rarely saw him throw over the middle. And so, I mean, it's just his comfort level. So people are like, "Well, why is Grant Calcaterra is is Lincoln Riley saving him Grant Calcaterra?" No, it's what Jalen's comfortable with, and that's something that he's gonna have to get better at in the bye week. Um, but Lincoln Riley banned the run game. It just makes you feel like he's a still a young coach there. And of course, he got panicky. And then, of course, the third and third and fourth quarter, he just had to score because they didn't have the ball. Alex Grinch at the presser is befuddled. This, I'm befuddled too. This man, not necessarily about the defense, the performance. He's like, yeah, I don't. He like they got smacked. He doesn't understand why they can't force turnovers because Kansas State they forced turnover two turnovers and. Alex French says, you force two turnovers a game, you'll get a win. Well, that's what K-State did. He doesn't understand why Oklahoma can't force turnovers. They're doing literally everything they can in practice. He's like, we are literally doing everything. But apparently we're going to have to change up our methods because it's not working. And you could see them ripping at the ball a few times against K-State defenders. They were pulling them, they were pulling them up to make sure they weren't going to the ground. They just couldn't get the ball loose. And... Um, Alex Grinch just doesn't understand why they can't force turnovers and why nobody can be the strip king and why nobody can be a ball hawk, even though Trey Brown should have had an interception to tie the game, not tie the end, but be down one score with like three minutes left instead of a minute and a half. They probably didn't have to onside it then. But, you know, that's what the game is. It's a game of chance, and it's just, it's unnerving. So 
what does this mean for the Sooners going forward as they come in at nine of the coaches' poll and A at the AP poll? Ten of the AP poll, right? I mean, ten of the AP poll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry. I mean, OU was one LSU loss on Saturday from being right back in this conversation. Yeah. From the and Oregon nearly lost as well. So I mean, Florida and Georgia play each other this week. OU in three weeks gets a chance to play what will presumably be a top ten Baylor team on the road. Definitely a chance for a marquee win. Yeah, a way to boost their resume. And the Big Twelve kind of looks strong this year. I mean, it's not very top heavy, obviously. I mean, Oklahoma and Baylor are pretty good, but the rest of the league. I mean, there's no one else. I guess there's Kansas State in the top twenty-five, but I mean, there aren't a lot of elite teams in this conference. But you do have a a pretty deep conference. I mean, top to bottom, it's hard to say this isn't at least one of the best conferences in the country. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, one hundred. So I mean, who knows how. Uh, the playoff committee is going to rank the Big 12 as far as their schedule is concerned, but uh, I'm not as worried as a lot of people are as far as the playoff is concerned. And I think I, a lot of there, I mean, some things have to happen, sure. Right. But it's not that far outside of the realm of oh, possibility for not. said things to happen. It's not. And this, this, this week in the Big 12 comes right after I podcast that. I did the solo podcast. I said, Man, is the Big 12 becoming the second best conference in college football? And then the conference totally just eats itself in one weekend. All four underdogs won. That <laughs> Kansas-Texas Tech ending, I didn't <laughs> I didn't see that until the next day. <laughs> oh my god. That was I I'm glad something like that happened for Kansas. Yeah. Don't you uh, feel good for their fan base? They deserve no, that. They deserve that. They deserve the they, Texas win too. Yeah, oh, they did. Les Miles absolutely. should be two wins deep in this conference. How right about now? the new coaches in the Big Twelve though? Jeez. Man. I mean, Matt Wells obviously he doesn't have a... What's his face? The quarterback, uh, Alan Bowman. Yeah. If they had Bowman, they'd be a much better team. Yeah, they'd be they pretty would. good. Yeah. But like that defense is actually okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And Neil Brown. I mean, obviously he's working with nothing there right yeah. now, but he's clearly a very good coach. And then you've got Les Miles, like reinvigorating Kansas of all programs. Unreal, man. I mean, unreal. And obviously you have a uh, climate at Kansas State who clearly gave that program the necessary shot in the arm. I mean, yep. not a very different culture than what oh, you had under Bill Snyder. but like He's just new school. It's, it's New school Snyder. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, obviously he's reinvigorated everything that was there because it was very stale towards the ending years of uh, Snyder's tenure. Basically the Sean Snyder show yes. at that point. But yes. It's just like, I was like, man, it's the Big 12 turning to the best conference, or the second best conference, and maybe even the best. And I was <laughs> I just and, then, the, and then, I mean, you have the other young coaches like Matt Rule and uh, Matt Campbell. Campbell. I mean, love him. Is there a bad coach in this conference? I mean, Tom, Tom Herman. Herman. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Herman. Is he the worst coach? He's not the worst coach in the Big 12, is he? Man, I. Oh. <laughs> I mean, who oh. is? Who is? I'm, I mean, okay. Who is the. I mean, let's, let's it's look not. At, I, I don't think it's Gundy. I mean, let's look at logistically. It, sometimes, Gundy, sometimes it's Gundy. Gundy's. In had, big situations, it's Gundy for if, sure. If Gundy didn't have. But. Spencer Sanders, and he had a quarterback that didn't throw the ball to the other team a lot, which apparently that's not going to happen against OU because OU cannot force turnovers against turnovers against QBs that throw the ball to the other team a lot. Um, you know, because you have Gundy, who's had Texas number for quite a while, because Lincoln Riley is better than Herman. Matt Wells has shown some real change at Tech. They're actually playing defense. Matt Rule is great. Matt Rule is fantastic. Matt Rule's probably going to get and hired away. Fantastic, pretty coach. soon. I mean, he's fantastic. Um, Campbell's great. Climbing is wonderful. Climbing is he's got multiple Les Miles titles. has a natty and is nearly beat Tom Herman with Kansas. Yeah, in Austin should have should have beat Tom Herman absolutely in Kansas. Wow, we really about to say Tom Herman's the worst coach in the Big Twelve. Man, I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to put my I, Oklahoma Sooners fan honestly, hat on either. I. It sure seems like it right now, it doesn't it? Seems crazy right now, on paper. Doesn't it seem like that? But. It's Gary Patterson? Patterson? I mean, he's, he's a great. Hall of Famer. He's great. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a name that I forgot. And he just whipped Tom Herman. Who? Yeah. And Patterson has been nothing to brag about at all. At all. His, his team this year. No. Like, because I remember thinking, I, I remember like looking at the score, I was like, yeah, Oklahoma lost. Okay, whatever. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more mature now than I was when I was a teenager. I'm going to handle this loss differently. I'm just going to go take several naps. 
And then uh, I just remember Texas fans on Twitter. I try to stay off Twitter, but Texas fans on Twitter just talking all kinds of crap. And I wake up from one of my naps, which I call depression naps after OU loses, and I see the score of the TCU-Texas game. I saw a tweet that said, do we really want Texas to lose? And then I saw the score. I was like, no way. No way. They were talking all that crap. Baylor picked They a, are decidedly not bad. Baylor Baylor <laughs> picked a hell of a week to have a bye week. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, it was blood God, week. God, jeez. But yeah, I mean like all right, Oklahoma goes I, to the bye week, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, speaking of Herman, if they have one more loss, don't you see him having a mutiny on his hands? I see him having a real big problem, and a, a, a recruits are already dropping. Yeah, like flies, and a lot uh, of them looking Prince, like they're gonna head OU's way too. Uh, Princely, on the Uman- defensive side, let's say Princely, Uman- Milan, uh, who's Josh Eaton, and Josh Eaton, uh, what, Princely, most notably, has contacted OU, asked if there was a spot available. Mm-mm-mm. Isn't that nice? And then of course OU goes out and lays an egg versus K State, so that's great. But it's the thought that counts, especially Josh Eaton, if Oklahoma's able to land him. But going to the bye week, I mean, Jalen, I thought it was funny. Jalen Hurd said he wasn't focused on it. They're going to be focused on the, the, the task at hand. Iowa State is in two weeks. That's a tough, night game. It's a tough gig. Night game. Baylor's going to be a night game. Probably. I, 100%. If, if game day doesn't show up in two weeks. Game weeks, day will be there. They need to be there. It's shades of 2015 again. But what if Fox puts it, picks it up and they put it at big noon? <laughs> I swear to God. That a game That's is, not outside of the realm of possibility. That game is shades of 2015 Baker yeah. Mayfield and Waco. Oh, of course. It looks great. But what if Fox picks it up? I swear to God. I'll be so angry. But just Jalen Hurts, you know? Parno Motley is not going to be ejected during this bye week. Delarian Turner, yell. We haven't even mentioned he got hurt during yeah. the K-State game. They that took hurt his helmet big away. time. Grant Calcaterra has not played seemingly since the Texas game. They were aiming for Iowa State, so he sh- hopefully he's yeah. back for that one. But uh, We talked about Gabe Burkich, but here's the deal. Oklahoma gets their second bye week right before championship November. Right? If you're Alex Grinch... This is obvious, right? I guess we go back to the turnover situation. What are we? some things you want to improve on? I mean, what what's your solution to the turnover situation, though? Can you think of anything? I mean, I guess just, I mean, prior to this Kansas State game, they were playing sound enough defense yeah. that you would think that certain turnovers would just sort of come their way. Right. When you create pressure and you're constantly making plays on the ball in the secondary, you would think that some of them would just come naturally, come organically. And a lot of them have... A lot of them have graced their presence, and Oklahoma is just not taking that advantage. So, I guess that's one thing you would stress, taking advantage of those situations. I suppose that's one thing. But then let's go over to Lincoln Riley Yeah. in general. What are some things that you would want to improve upon? I would say the team as a whole, the penalty situation. It's, it's insane. They're like 119th or 129th? Yeah, 129th. Okay. And, you know, after like four games... This seemed like something that was maybe a bit of an anomaly, something that could be corrected. Maybe it was just like a small sample size. It's been a problem the entire season. Yeah. It, it, it It's clearly an issue with this team. They need to stress that during the bye week. It's just because unreal. It, it, I mean, there were junctures during the Kansas State game where that really did cost them. Mm-hmm. So, If I'm Alex Grinch... What, what's something I want to improve upon that, like, well, let's say this Kansas State game was an anomaly, right? Because that was different. That was weird. And that you're not going to see that style of play again, honestly, unless you get to the college football playoff. And even then, teams likely aren't going to be able, likely aren't going to run this style of offense that K-State ran. So you're like, what do you improve upon? Well, first of all, tackling, wrapping up to the ground. Uh, there, there are plenty of opportunities there. And, I you guess know, they need to just revisit that because prior yeah. to this game, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't. It wasn't. And just honestly, just buckling your damn chin strap. Like, get ready to go, boys. Like, you thought Texas was going to be your physicality test? No. Texas is apparently weak still. K-State, which we all know execute well, smart players, all about one goal. And they are very physical in their style of play. 
They have a veteran offensive line, a veteran defensive line. It showed they whipped OU's ass on both fronts. That's something that I would address for Alex Grinch. It was and very Lincoln shocking, Riley. by the way. Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley address the fronts as well to Lincoln Riley's uh, uh, to that effect is, man, you got you got to put the ball in Kennedy Brooks' hands. You got to put the ball in Trey Sermon's hands. Jalen keeps the ball on read options more than he should. He's Superman. He's a dynamic athlete. He keeps it more than he should, which is the opposite of the Trevor Knight problem. You know? Trevor Knight just wasn't allowed to keep it. He wasn't. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was absurd. A, it, was a, it was a fake read option for the love of God, but it was just like, how? How? So we're moving on from the Kansas State game, kind of. We're about to take a break, but after the break, we have plenty of your Twitter questions, comments, frustrations that... I just want to talk about and address. Some of these things are fun and spicy. And then we'll just talk about a few things after that as well regarding the Big 12, conference title game, championship game, title game, all these other things. We'll be right back with you guys, excuse me, after the break. All right, Jack. So let's dive into some Twitter questions, comments, frustrations, etc. This one is from Agent Cross. He's actually a really good friend of the pod. He listens like at night. He's just he's a good listener. Great follow. Gives a lot of good feedback. He's, he's, he's a good dude. Good dude. He says, when Riley has a bad game, he really goes for it kind of like Gundy regarding time management, play calling, being way too conservative early in the game with a historic offense. He did have a couple of time management things that were befuddling. I wouldn't quite put him in the Gundy category. I wouldn't yet. And he says... Wouldn't be shocked to see OU on a fucking tear through the schedule, though. I completely agree. Yeah. There's precedent there. So, like, this is the one inexplicable loss to the Sooners, except it happened a little bit later, and now they're going to use this as motivation just to rip through championship in November. And this closing stretch, it reminds me a lot of the closing stretch in 2015. Where they didn't have a bye with all these team after team after team. Yeah, they had, you know, that crazy Baylor game in Waco, and then you had the... uh, that TCU game yeah, that was just forget. absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trevon Boykin was not playing in that game. That's right. But then Baker Mayfield was knocked out of the game. Yeah, and so Trevor and I did everything possible to lose that game. He really did. <laughs> and Samaje, you know, put the team on his back, Greg Jennings uh-huh. style, with, you know, a, uh, what was it, like a high ankle sprain or yep. something like yep. that? And he ran for in a Bedlam? touchdown. Well, it, it was oh, yeah, the yeah, TCU, yeah. Game. TCU game. He ran for that long That's touchdown right. with the uh, That's right. messed up ankle. But, um Gosh. Yeah, and then that OSU game, obviously. I watched that game uh, at the OU Club of Atlanta. Mm. Uh, the host of that being Jaden Hazelwood's dad, of course. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but um, those were really cool watch parties. If you live in another state and you have a chance to go to an OU alumni watch party, yeah. do that. They're, they're in big cities. You can find them on Twitter everywhere. That, that helps support those organizations as well. They, the one I mean, in Dallas is great. Oh, the Houston one is a huge one. The yeah. Denver one is the really big one. Really? Oh, yeah. They have like 700 people at their watch parties. I'll have to check that out. Stoney's in downtown Denver. Okay. I went to it uh, this summer, uh, checked out the place. It's a really cool establishment. Uh It's huge, and they have uh, OU-themed menu items. They have Mm. Lincoln Riley rolls, which are uh, mac and cheese egg rolls. That sounds actually pretty good. Very good. Wow. But yeah, I could see Oklahoma. Not keto-friendly, but very good. I could see Oklahoma tearing through the schedule. Um, As much as I could see Oklahoma falling flat on their face in one of these other games. But the precedent is there for Oklahoma to lose one and just be pissed and thirsty for a championship and knowing that this is their shot. They're still the best team in the Big 12. Oh, absolutely. And I could see them also ripping through that schedule, so I would agree with that. Uh, The next one is from Chris Godfrey 4. He said, I just want turnovers. I feel like there will be letdowns in all phases of the game, but we win the turnover battle. We win even if everything else happened. Everything else bad happened. Yeah. So if I wouldn't quite forces, go that far, but... If Oklahoma forces two turnovers in that game against Kansas State, do they win? Yeah. They win. Absolutely. I Yeah. I think it's fine. I think it's a fair point because... And there was a couple of times they had some, maybe some opportunities, especially, again, I go back to the Trey Brown thing. If he picks that up, he's hauling ass with the head of steam and... He's on the ball. He's hawking. No it. one's catching Trey Brown. No one's gonna catch that man, and he just drops it. And he gets that touchdown. And there's over three minutes left. Link Riley doesn't. We don't. We're not talking about an onside kick right now. 
We're talking about Lincoln Riley three timeouts, kicking the ball off deep in a defense ready to get the ball back. I think, you know, we can talk about, you know, what ifs, but, you know, it's Oklahoma doesn't have that many issues if they force turnovers during that game. Uh, at Brady Does Sports, great guy, front of the pod, uh, on the pod quite a few times, actually. Twice, yeah. Some have suggested that he should be a full-timer. Yeah, Brady's a, Brady's a good podcaster. He's a good dude. Uh, he, he'd be a great addition, but maybe he's a, a very busy man as maybe well. He's got a, thunder coming now. A, maybe a future brother-in-law, actually. I don't know. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't it, It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, maybe. We'll see. You know, Interesting. Might be courting my sister. Who knows? We don't know if it's a Twitter joke or if it's real at this point. It just might happen. Um, he says, "Interesting. Jalen Hurts is the worstest quarterback ever because the tape, hashtag tape, excuse me, tells me so. Thoughts? He's being facetious, but yes. Is he, though? Yes. Is he better than St. Mellinger? Yeah, of course. I think he's not the worstest quarterback ever because the tape tells you so, Brady. I think you've just been so used to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, buddy. That's pretty much the that's pretty much the the saying that goes by after having what four years of straight Heisman quarterback play, they get pampered. I mean, just think about the Trevor Knight years. Hell, you're gonna have a candidate this year probably. You'd think Jalen will at least go to New York, especially if OU wins out. If OU wins out, I think he's got a pretty good shot. Yeah. Um. Next is from at the Bushnator. One does OU have a path to the playoff, or does one loss? What does a one loss? SEC non-conference champion LSU. I'm going to talk about this later. Trump them is the window for winning a national title closing for OU. The schedule set up well for the top seed this season, but next season is brutal and many key players will leave. Okay, so for the first one, yes, I do think that a one-loss Alabama or LSU would probably get in over Oklahoma. Non non non-SEC title. Non-title, yeah, probably. In in this scenario, I Mm -hmm. believe so. Yeah. As for the second one with the window closing, absolutely not. Yeah, I think the window is actually just about to it, open. It's it's that's why I'm not really bummed about this whole situation. Yeah, I I do think oh you could theoretically make the playoff, but am I worried about the direction of the program if they don't? Absolutely not. I am like. I'm excited for the future because I feel like the window is just about to open. Exactly. You've got a young offensive line right now. You've got Rattler coming in, throwing it next year. You're going to have those three current freshman wide receivers showing out next year. You're going to have a defense that, you know, obviously you're losing the top three nose guards, essentially. But Mm -hmm. Jordan Kelly's back. Yeah, you, you got Jordan Kelly, He's and you've got uh, Perry and Winfrey, who's the number one overall Juco, Juco. prospect mm-hmm. in the country. And then you've got Ronnie Perkins coming back. Yeah. You've got uh, Laron Stokes coming back. you got a lot to like on defense coming back. You're going to lose Kenneth Murray. The, but you tra- like what you've draft, seen yeah. from Brian Mossamoa. Yeah. So, and Deshaun and White. Deshaun White yeah. as well. Another year in the system, another the year. The secondary will be much better next year. Mm-hmm. I... I mean, I have no reason to believe that this team won't be competing for another shot at the playoff next year. You know, because I think... 2021, the year after that, I feel like they have a really good shot to win a national championship if all of the things stay lined up. I don't think 2020 is the year... I think think Jalen Hurts is the transition to get this team's mindset right. The perfect stopgap. And then 2020, uh, 2020, next year will be a year where Oklahoma is, they're going to doubt Oklahoma and say, well, they lost all these pieces. C.D. Lamb is gone. Creed Humphrey maybe might be gone, depending upon what the stats tell him. Um, and, of course, you know, losing it's C.D. Lamb, okay? And then the running back's coming back because they're not getting any carries, okay? That's okay. That's fine. Um, Grant Calcaterra is going to come back because he hasn't even played half the year. And, uh, you know, you're, just, you're losing C.D. Lamb and a Jalen Hurts, really, and maybe Creed on offense. Defense, you're losing a Parnell Motley. You're losing Kenneth Murray because maybe he leaves early in the draft because he's having himself a hell of a year. And you're losing Neville Gallimore. And, of course, still in Famatau, Marquise Overton, who's played actually pretty well. He has. They keep on calling he him was Mark. Good. He had some good plays yeah. on Saturday. He was actually. the only one on the defense yeah. playing, having good plays. And they keep on calling him Marquez. Yeah. It's Marquise. And one of them said Marquise and then corrected himself, Marcel Marquez again. But anyways, that's besides the point. Next year. We go Q Overton. Yeah, Q. Next year, they won't win a national title, but they'll still be competing for another Big 12 title. 
and a good bowl game. I think 2021 to 2023, I think the window opens, and I think it's wide open. Because you have Vandegrift after Rattler, too. So from a talent perspective, you're not having really any drop-off over the next five years of the quarterback position. I think 2021. Again, as long as the things stay aligned. I mean, as long as something doesn't happen with either of those two guys, which obviously with quarterbacks, you never know. let's, Let's say barring coaching changes, 2021 with the recruiting that Oakland is doing on the offensive side of the ball. Bill Bedenboe is still finding ways to improve the talent on the offensive line, which is just unreal to me. And the defense combined with Alex Grinch and the defensive recruiting, the window becomes wide open. Now, whether or not Oklahoma's in the Big 12 by 2023 or whatever, the win of they, the grant yeah, rights. Yeah, the, the grant of rights, they, that goes up like the next year or the year after that. They'd so, still be in the Big 12. but It's just... Hell, I think they might be even after that as much revenue as they're pulling in right per now. school and the Especially things the they the, is... and the situation they have with tier three. There's not much motivation to leave at this point. And the Pac-12 is in some serious horrible. Yeah, just poach, just just poach, Jesus, just poach freaking Colorado and the Arizona schools. The Arizona schools. I don't think Colorado wants to come back, but the Arizona schools I can picture. It fits. But, um, yeah, I think the window is just about to open. I don't think it's about to shut. I think it's about to open. Now, did Oklahoma kind of, if Oklahoma had Alex Grinch three years ago, do they probably have nine national titles right now? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But, hey, we're not living in the past. We're trying not to. Anyways, at Kenneth Ferber, 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 Ferber. Did OU deserve to win? <laughs> Will they ever deserve it again? Will they ever? Now, <laughs> this, step down from that ledge, my friend. This No, this is a shot at the, oh, you didn't deserve to win anyways. They played bad football crowd. He's being facetious as well. Facetious. The, did OU deserve to win? I would, based on the way they played, no. But at the same time, they outgained Kansas State by like 80 yards with far fewer offensive plays at the same time. So when you're actually measuring that kind of thing, eh, whatever. Do they deserve to win based on how they played? No. Obviously yeah. not. They played like shit. Should they have won? No. So do they deserve to win? No. no. It's that simple. I mean, it's just like the people are like, but the penalties in the onside kick. Well, you have no idea. What could have happened after the onside kick? Did it feel like Oklahoma was going to go down a score? It totally yes. did. Could Jalen Hurts totally have been sacked and fumbled because he does not carry the ball high and tight on the next play? It could. It totally could have happened. We're operating off of assumptions, what we think would have happened a la Sooner Magic. Uh, Matt from At The Prairie Report OU says, I have a question. Why? It reminds me of that gif of the preacher. Why? Yeah. Why? 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 I don't know, Matt. That's a good question. Going on to D Denny 854 why do you think the run game? Okay, why do you think the run game? Run game was I sound like Forrest Gump a little bit there. Was MIA down two or three scores late in the game? I get it. That doesn't explain Sermon and Brooks only having three carries each. We talked about this. The only run play of the second half was the first play of the third quarter. Is this Riley not calling enough designed run plays or something else? Like I said, part of it was the fact that they really didn't have the ball much in the second yeah, half. That's and true. then there that's was true. the flow of the game, the way yeah. things were going. They were down the majority, pretty much the entire second half, I guess. I guess they were down the whole time in the second half. Yeah, Dory, I mean, if Oklahoma was down by... Down two, big for a large yeah. chunk of it. If Oklahoma was only down two scores, if they're down 10, 14, in, early in the third, and they still have the ball, I think Lincoln still runs it. Yeah. But they got down big, and Lincoln had to start chucking. And so I, I don't think it's anything else, but... Uh, I do think, you know, it's a sign of a young coach a little bit still, but I think at the, it, it was the conditions which caused that that matter of play calling. At Cam Decker says, realistically speaking, what's it going to take for OU to be in the playoffs? Obviously, OU will have to win out, but would, what, would there have to be a shakeup in the SEC? So I looked at the top 11, 12 teams, um, according to the coaches poll, because the AP poll doesn't really mean much. And I looked at the remaining schedules. Now, not, not that the AP and the coaches poll are that different. They're, I mean, they, they're they equally irrelevant. They vary. Just by, like, they're by basically by. only there to give the media a guide as to how to rank them like in their yes. graphics and stuff like that. And I looked at the top 12, and I looked at their schedules, and here's how, like, here's a roadmap like a perfect roadmap to ensure OU would get in, but of course, 
so many things can go wrong. There's a month left of just regular season, and that's not including conference championship games. There's so much that could go wrong, but here's what I got. Here's what I have drawn out. Let me know if you agree with me. I said Clemson and Ohio State have to win out. Clemson's going to win out. Ohio State, they look like the most superior team in the Big Ten. Those two are in. ACC, Big Ten. Here's where things get interesting. Washington is going to have to beat Utah this week, and Utah would have to beat Oregon in the title game, or Oregon loses to USC this week, that's another big game, and then beats Utah in the conference championship game. Basically, the Pac-12 is going to cancel itself out. None of this seems unlikely, by the way. Yeah, Washington could beat Utah this week, and Oregon could also lose to USC this week, and what I just said is moot as far as a conference championship game. 100%. Basically, you don't want the Pac-12 in there. But the real thing here is what we're going to talk about is the SEC. Georgia needs to beat Florida. It's that simple because Georgia is a one-loss SEC team that really hasn't impressed. Georgia needs to beat Florida. LSU and Bama, here's the issue. This is the issue. See, I think Florida could beat Georgia too because they would lose in the SEC title game. They'd have they both have two losses in that scenario if Florida loses in the SEC title game, which they would. This this is contingent though because LSU and Bama, one of those teams has to lose twice over the next month. LSU and Bama they play each other. Okay, great. There's one loss for one of them. LSU has Bama and literally nobody else on that schedule worth a damn. They, all the other teams aren't maybe A and M. Don't but, sleep on the Arkansas Razorbacks yeah, now. <laughs> but they have, they have A and M the last game. You're like okay, they're gonna win all those games. So LSU, they have Bama and the SEC title game, which they could very well win both those games. Um, Alabama, they have LSU, they have the Iron Bowl, and then possibly the conference championship game. LSU or Alabama have to win, have to lose two games. Because if they walk in with an undefeated SEC team in a one-loss SEC non-champion, they're getting in over Oklahoma because that schedule they played, especially especially if LSU and Bama is a tight game. And of course, OU must win out, but not just win out. They have to hope that Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, two of these three are ranked, which is likely to happen. And then they have to take care of business, of course, in the Big 12 title game. That's your kind of perfect roadmap to Oklahoma being in that top four. But, man, so many damn things can go wrong if you know college football. It's it's you, you should expect chaos. Oh, yeah. I feel like the last few seasons Kirk, Kirk there. Kirk mayhem moments. Oh, right? see, there you go. There we're, go. we're plugging it they, weeks they, later. There you go, Kirk. A month later. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been a minute. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it's almost November, like a month and a half. So we need some Kirk's mayhem moments for this thing to really ensure it goes to plan. But, of course, I said all this. This could happen. (laughs) Regular season, Clemson could Clemson. Uh, LSU could, the the clock could strike midnight on them. I'm not convinced by their defense. Tua is probably going to be hampered for the rest of the regular season with this ankle sprain. That's what you saw last year. And yeah. so in they based screwed. on that, like they, I'm not I'm not big on that. his ankle. Of Did course, and, yeah, and I'm not big on Auburn at all. But same playing at Auburn with a hampered Tua, they could theoretically lose that game. It's, it's within play. It's just there's so I, I say oh this is the perfect roadmap for Oklahoma to be in the top four. There's so many things that could happen. As long as Oklahoma wins out, they'll have a chance. Of course, they'll have a chance. It'll be now. They could win out and get to that sixth spot. They could win out and get to that five spot. but That would just mean we get a trip to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. If Oklahoma wins out, they've the got Sugar a chance. Bowl. I mean, they're nine. They're by no means out of, of it. Of course Hell, not. Oklahoma's been back further. And eighth in the SB Nation fan pulse poll. Yeah. Let's plug that. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> but Oklahoma's been back further. And still made it into the college uh-huh. playoff. Yep, absolutely. Ninth, and you have two... Three, Granted, uh, the schedules were better yes, in those seasons. Yes, true. But Baylor, going to be a top 10 team when you play them next. You're going to be a top 10 team. Okay, it's As long be- as they don't lose to TCU and Fort Worth, which of course theoretically could happen. But you've got Iowa State. They're probably going to be a top 10 team after this weekend. 
Top 25? I mean, top 25. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, sorry. Hopefully. And But you have three of these games of the next four for Oklahoma, or next five, excuse me, will be ranked. That is enough to say, hey, give us a look. That Kansas State game is an anomaly. And, and Kansas State might finish with a good record, yeah, too. They're 5-2 five they're and five two and two now. Yeah. So, and they already they've already played Baylor and Oklahoma, so it's a lot. Yeah, a lot could happen. We still have a month left, over a little over a month left, which is really sad to say because football season's over halfway over, like way over halfway. Oh God, yeah. It really did fly by. Man, it always does. Like we are, like we are legitimately entering the home stretch right now. I don't want to talk about it, but <sighs> we're not worrying about who's going to replace Mike Stoops now. Now we're See, exactly. That's another thing. I mean, I'm not worried about the future direction of the defense. Like, Exciting. go back to these other mid-October losses that you've had over the oh, last yeah. five years. Yeah. Every single one of them has brought, like, the future of the program into question. That's brought that into the dialogue. That's not really part of it this time. That's why I'm really not bummed over this that much. I mean, I, I'm, I mean obviously, it pisses me off. It hampers OU's playoff chances uh, significantly, obviously. But from a big-picture program perspective, I'm not tripping about it. Yeah, I'm not either. I feel good about the direction of the team. The window, like I said, wide open in 2021. Oklahoma's going to compete for national titles and Spencer Rattler's second year on. It's going to be great. It's going to be impressive. Buckle your freaking seats. Um, so what's going on right now? Big 12 and generals, the slack last weekend, ridiculous. I took a couple depression naps. Yeah. Um, I think I slept from like 5 PM to like 11 PM. And you had some stuff going on too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. But like, uh, then, uh, yeah, I didn't know about Kansas, Texas tech until the next day. And when I found out about it. I laughed very hard. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Because like I'm when Kansas isn't playing Oklahoma, I am a Kansas football fan all the way at this point just because of what they've gone through over the past decade. Plus it's because I'm watching that Les Miles show on ESPN Plus, which is if, have you watched that before? Yeah. Pretty good. Oh, it's great. I love yeah. it. And I watch it because like one of my It makes you root for Kansas for that, sure. That I like less and I have a former student and uh that Actually, is committed to the Jayhawks, so I'm hopeful to nice. see him on there. Yeah, he's a good kid. Um, and how do you handle, like, maybe, like, when I was a kid, this is how I'd handle losses by OU. Maybe not a kid, but maybe, like, my college years when I was, like, 17, 18, 19. I would just not listen to sports radio for a week. Twitter wasn't... Same here. Yeah, I'd avoid ESPN. Twitter, I would avoid ESPN like like the plague. Twitter wasn't too big. It not was, at that point. It was not for big. me, it wasn't. It was getting big, but it wasn't as massive as it is It today. didn't exist when I was in high school. Facebook was still the king. And I just avoid sports radio, avoid ESPN. Just be like, okay, I'm refreshed. And the next thing I would hear about the Sooners is game day. You have two weeks. You have a bye week. So this doesn't really help the situation. Not but, really. I mean, now what do I do? I stay, I stay off Twitter. You got Halloween festivities that this too, week. Yeah. That helps. I stay off Twitter a lot more. Um, as an adult, I just stay off Twitter, and then uh, I still don't watch ESPN, and I just try to I try to look at other things. And um, how, how how do you how do you you know handle the losses now as an adult? I don't. Okay, there. I am a guy who does enjoy drinking, but I've mm. never used it as like a coping mechanism for a loss yeah which is good because it could be a really slippery slope if that was the case with some of these losses but like i'd say the one exception to that was the clemson loss Mm. uh in the orange bowl Mm -hmm. i they had a one point late at halftime they did yeah and i ended up gronk spiking a can of pbr during a private watch party at the speakeasy i'm proud of you yeah it was a and, like, my parents were in the next room over, like, at a different kind of watch party section. And, like, uh, my mom went up and scolded me in front of a bunch of girls I went to high school with and stuff like that. So that wasn't embarrassing or anything like that. But uh, that night I ended up just taking in every ounce of fireball in the 405, essentially. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, usually it really isn't that bad. It's just, like... I feel like I 
it takes me a long time to process these losses. Yeah. And especially the inexplicable ones. You can yeah, understand like, like maybe top ten games. I would say the one that hurt the most was the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Don't don't. It was so bad. But anyway, like <laughs> like like you said, uh, you mentioned depression naps. One of the things I do at this point, um, I like to take melatonin to sleep. Mm. So I take my little. I put myself in a little melatonin coma. Oh, that's good. To just escape. Yeah. Same. It's nice. Yeah. It's what's wonderful. Yeah. Just take those naps and. I look at my dog and I'm like, you are so lucky as a dog. You have no idea how these grown ass men on a football field is affecting my life right now. You just, you just want well, to Well, see, dogs. Be played with. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but dogs get scared during games, like during watch parties when everyone's yelling and stuff like that. So games are tough for them too. So don't underestimate that. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but. Be considerate of your dogs during watch parties. It's true. It's true. Because they get scared. So, as soon as the Big 12 cannibalizes itself this weekend, uh, Texas appears to be not really on a in a good path to make the Big 12 title game in Dallas after nearly losing to Kansas. After, of course, they lost to Oklahoma. They lost to TCU. They should be 0-3 in the Big 12 right now. Mm-hmm. Or actually, 1-3. They beat OSU handily. Well, well, actually, they, OSU, OSU, OSU shot kind of built them out foot. too. Yeah, yeah, man. Could you imagine if Texas zero and four in the damn Big Twelve right now? They should be pretty neat. Uh, yeah. And they still have to play Baylor at Baylor. They still have to play Iowa State at Iowa State. Mm. Yeah. So who who makes it to the Big Twelve title game right now? Well, Baylor has the head to head over Kansas State and mm-hmm. Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Yes. So they are of the teams not named Oklahoma. It, it, it's clearly them at this point. And Matt based Rule, on, if if anything, based on tiebreakers, yeah. Matt Rule, hell of a guy, hell of a coach. Yeah, he's fantastic. If I mean, I, I hate Baylor. I hate a lot of what they have stood for. Mm-hmm. I I have nothing. They made a perfect hire. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. From a cultural standpoint, from a football standpoint, the whole shebang. You can't help but root for the guy, and then of course, when, yeah, he's likable. When you see the guy, he wears a master's green jacket to media. I days. love it. When you see the guy. A tradition uh, unlike any other. And talk to the guy at Big 12 Media Days. You're just like, man, I can't help but like this guy. Same with Matt Campbell. Those two guys, I'm just like, jeez. Like, these are dudes that get it. These are football guys. It's a couple of dudes. Yeah. Guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. Major guys being dudes, and, guys. And just guys that you can't help but root for. Especially, you know, he was in, put in a bad... No, he wasn't put in it. He was hired into a really terrible situation. Yeah, went 1-11 his first year, and that wasn't his fault. And quick turnaround and now they're at the point of contention of maybe not contention in the big 12 title game but definitely making it there so that's good on matt rule and i agree i think i think it'll be oklahoma and baylor i think it'll be them too i think it's fair to say as of right now though it would be nice because i mean ou fans will badly outnumber baylor fans in jerry world if that's the case it's true especially if oklahoma you saw what happened with tcu baylor has a, a bigger fan base than tcu but not mm-hmm. by a ton mm-hmm so you would definitely expect a big OU it won't advantage be in that. Texas thinking, oh, we're going to win the Big 12 and then buying 70% of the tickets Yeah, already. yeah, exactly. I, I'd be curious to see how many OU fans bought tickets after OU Texas. Yeah. And then you wouldn't have the random West Virginia fans in the stands. That was awkward. I, I saw that. That, yeah, was, that was weird. We asked a couple of them what they were, who they were rooting for, and we got mixed, we got mixed reactions. It was weird. As of right now, though, and this is going to be the end of the podcast, uh, who your college like? If you had to pick today, right now I'm not gonna pick OU. Who's but, gonna be, who's gonna be in your college football playoff? And and under, not saying who the top four teams right now, but if you just had to guess right now, projecting not not some hinky dinky BS that I had to say this is how OU gets to the college football playoff. Who your college football playoff teams in January or late December? Right now, I'm going to say LSU because I think they're going to beat yeah. Alabama with a hampered Tua. Tua uh-huh. is not going to be anywhere near full strength, uh-huh. I don't think. But uh, and Ohio State, Ohio State looks like the best team in the country right now. So good. They 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 do not have a pimple on their face. I mean, they're they're just they're perfect, no blemishes. Then uh, I don't see anyone beating Clemson. They're just going to walk into the playoff. Um. Let's see. I'll go. I'll go. Bama as the number two, uh, number four. I think that those are mine. Get in. Those are mine. Yeah. I've got Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Bama. I don't know what order. 
I have no idea what order. Maybe Ohio State won. Maybe LSU two. And then if Alabama loses, and then the, they're the they're the one loss non conference champion, and Clemson wins it all. Clemson three, Alabama four. Yep. That I, that seems pretty tough to debate at this point. I mean, someone would probably try to state a case for Oregon, or maybe maybe a one loss, uh, maybe a one loss Penn State. So that's the thing. They they would have a case against the loser of the SEC championship. So it would be interesting game, to see what happens with Oregon and Penn State as well. You know. But yeah, that's granted. I mean, Penn State—they did. Uh, yeah, they're still undefeated, right? Yeah, they're undefeated. Yeah, it's just—it's a lot, you know. But um, yeah, that—that's all I have. And do you have anything else left? What are you playing yeah. for the week? Well, tomorrow I was—I was given a free ticket to see Tool at BOK. That's not really my musical wheelhouse, but they are <laughs> very—they are very talented, and they. Have always had a reputation for putting on a hell of a show with like lights and stuff like that, and like uh, the screens and display and stuff like that. It's supposedly uh-huh. pretty damn trippy, but like, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But like, uh, then Halloween on Thursday, I've got yeah. uh, my friend and his girlfriend from Montana. They're coming in, so we're gonna show them a big time and all that kind of stuff. But um, then Friday, I gotta work. Then Saturday, uh, sit around, watch football, day drink. Hmm. Sounds like a good week. Yep. I'm I'm chilling, man. I'm going to make it this week. Pass out some candy to some freezing uh, 8-year-olds. Maybe they, there won't be that many. And, um, you know, just hanging out. Just doing my thing. Not a lot not a lot to go off of, you know? You're going to get some donuts like you always do? I might. Yeah. Might be a good idea. Go to Hertz Donut. Hertz What's Hertz your favorite donut from Hertz Donut? I think the one, the... Um, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch one's pretty good. I've never been to Hertz Donut. Oh, it's so good. I know. Everyone it? says so. I mean, I, isn't it kind of like Voodoo Donut? Kind of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've been to Voodoo. Yeah. So, yeah. The Captain Crunch one. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch one's really great. So, yeah. But I think that wraps us up. So, hey, guys. Go ahead and follow us on CrimsonCreamMachine.com. There's a lot of stuff dropping all the time. Um, follow our Twitter handles. Jack at... CC Machine or his personal one at J. Larry Shields. I'm Kamim Robin at Kame Robin CCM. Or follow Alan Kenny, who runs the other podcast, Picking the Points with his brother. Um, they Numerism. have much better sound quality it's, than they had before. Better, I made yeah. sure that that got fixed, and it's sounding very good now. And it's much better. So go and follow those guys. And again, Ron iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play Podcast, anywhere you can find a podcast. Give us a five star rating. We really appreciate and it. And follow Seth, too. And follow Seth Oliveras, yeah. And, um, he has good tweets. People like his tweets. Yeah, people like his tweets. So he's very positive. He is. He is. I need to learn. He is more a ray of sunshine. But we'll check you guys later.